We are the tide from the north. We're brave and we're bold. Defeating our rivals never gets old. Making our way to the Big Sky Conference. Watch out, cause here comes the silver and gold. Welcome back, Tribe from the North, Brave and Bold, to the official unofficial podcast of your Idaho Vandals and the Vandals affiliate on the Big Sky Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brian Marceau, joined as always now by former producer Dammer, Dallas Hammer. Dallas, how's it going? Um, It's all right. Uh, For any listeners, I'm wearing my newest Los Angeles Rams hat. I'm hoping that this weekend is not going to cause me further football pain. I thought that that was over when the Vandals finished this most recent season, but here I am getting ready for more heartbreak. So really looking forward to talking to you all next Tuesday when you're all going to rub it in my face that Matthew Stafford threw three interceptions. Calling it now. It's important to just be ready, set expectations adequately, whatever. But anyway, uh, you guys may notice if you're watching, listeners don't see this yet. We had said we were going to be debuting a new producer, a.k.a. Martin Hot Take Heemstra. Uh, he is clearly not with us, and we're holding it against him. But now hey, Martin Martin had work stuff come up. He's going to be joining us uh, as, soon, as quickly as we can. We're here to talk about a handful of things, including additions to the coaching staff, a transfer portal segment we have not been able to do. We're also going to do a quick basketball update, but uh, we're going to start around the wall, around the bar right now. That's brought to us by Hughes River Expeditions. Dallas, the big news that came in over the last handful of days is at this point, we're waiting for essentially only one total coach, assistant coach to be announced to Jason X staff at University of Idaho for the football team. And we have a complete staff. We, we're going to run through everyone who's been added. Um, but the, and this makes it kind of weird to bring it up thematically because it's just a ton of new guys to, to go over. But I can tell you I'm pretty excited about the staff. It's a mix of, it's a mix of, of some younger guys than we saw in the last coaching staff. Uh, it's some guys who have some pretty – some experience that I'm pretty excited about. So we're going to go through from top to bottom really quick. Um, Jason Eck talked when he was on the show about Luke Schleissner coming over with him offensive. He's going to become the offensive coordinator for Idaho. He was the oh, he's offense coordinator and quarterbacks coach Dallas. When he was at South Dakota state, what was, what was Schleissner's position? Uh, he actually had a couple different positions. And I think that's, that's the, like the most important thing to, to talk about. He was initially the tight ends coach uh, for any of our NFL followers. Uh, Dallas Goddard, one of the five best tight ends in the NFL, at least in the top 10. Uh, Schleissner coached Goddard from being a walk-on to being a second-round pick who is incredible in the NFL. Uh, so he started out as the tight ends coach. Uh, he was there, uh, started in 2014, ended up becoming the passing game coordinator in 2019, so taking on just a little bit more responsibility in the, in the air. And then transitioned from tight end coach to receivers coach uh, in 2020. Uh, so last couple of years, he's been the receivers coach there. Uh, now on paper, like if we just look at his last position, a co- becoming an offensive coordinator is, of course, a promotion relative to being a, a tight ends coach and a passing game coordinator. But this is not Schleissner's first stint as an OC, is it? That's correct. Uh, in tw- From 2011 to 2013, he was actually at North Dakota, uh, which is his alma mater. Uh, started out there as the tight ends coach slash fullbacks coach, then became the passing coordinator slash receivers coach, then became the offensive coordinator in his final season there before moving on to, to South Dakota State. Um, when he was the offensive coordinator there in 2013, they were 23rd in total offense, 18th in points per game, 11th in passing yards per game, and 9th in passing rating out of the 121 FBS team or FCS teams. So really good offensive showing when he his one single year as an OC. Um he again. He played there at UN uh, UND. He won a title there uh, in 2001 when they were still D2. Uh, he was a player there. Uh, and then most interestingly to me, he actually coached Kenny Galladay. Uh, Kenny Galladay started out at North Dakota before transferring to NIU. 
he was Kenny Galladay's first collegiate receivers coach. And then obviously Galladay went on to catch a whole bunch of balls from Matthew Stafford and look like a pretty good receiver. Obviously this year was ruined by injuries, but uh, a pretty big time to be able to say you coached multiple NFL players. And then maybe the one that's most impressive before he was at North Dakota, he was at D2 Minnesota State. Uh, he was there for five years as the special teams coordinator slash recruiting coordinator, did both jobs. Uh, again, D2, you're you're really, you got to wear a bunch of hats there. Then became the receivers coach in 2009 and 2010. He was the receivers coach for Adam Thielen. Obviously, Adam Thielen is one hell of a story going from a D2 school where he was a star, walking onto his hometown team and becoming a two-time Pro Bowler, but... Uh, that's three different NFL guys, three different good NFL guys that Luke coached. Uh, so pretty fantastic to see that. Uh, absolutely love uh, love the background there from, from Coach Slice. Yeah, a theme you're going to see in a handful of the new coaches is coordinator experience elsewhere whether they're coordinated for Idaho or not. We have a lot of former coordinators on our that are that fill out Coach X staff. There's also a lot of experience in the I'm going to call it broadly the Midwest area. We're counting in the, the Dakotas. We're talking into Illinois, Minnesota, in that area of the country. And a guy who fits that profile as well is our new defensive coordinator and linebackers coach, Rob Arch. Now, I may be butching the itch part, but on this show, until further notice, he's Rob Arch. Uh, Rob Arch is, come, is joining our staff from South Dakota University, another Missouri Valley football conference school. Not South Dakota State, South Dakota. He was there from 2018 to 2021 as the special teams coordinator and inside linebackers coach uh, prior to heading joining South Dakota from 2014 to 2017. He is he coached at Division II Bemidji State uh, in 2017. He was uh, the defensive coordinator there. So again, he wasn't a D coordinator at South Dakota, but there's his defensive coordinator experience in his one year as the defensive coordinator at South Dakota, his team. A pretty strong defensive team. They're top 10 in yards. They were top 10 in the nation in yards allowed per carry. They were top 10 in the nation interceptions, and they were top 10 in the nation in yards allowed per play. Now, his coaching experience ends there because he is kind of similar to a good amount of guys on this staff, different from not everyone on Petrino's staff, but a good amount of guys on Petrino's staff. Eck has a healthy number of younger guys who have coordinator experience but are taking a pretty big jump in their career, that fits Arch's background. I mean, he, he only finished his bachelor's degree the same year I did in 2010. His was from Minnesota Duluth, where he played and won national championships as a player in 2008 and 2010. I know I'm supposed to have a transition point off of this, but I, I really don't. So uh, I'm just going to awkwardly transition to my ne next coach I wanted to bring up because – I got nothing to transition off of that. Um, Brian's coaches tended to lean a little bit younger. I think I've got one last coach that I, we kind of split this up of detailing the coaches uh, half and half. Uh, the The next coach I wanted to get into is our new recruiting coordinator slash tight ends coach, uh, Tyler Sutton. He's another one of the like kind of younger guys on the staff that uh, is maybe a lot younger in his football career. Interestingly on paper, he's taking a downgrade to come here. Uh, he most recently finished up as the offensive coordinator at San Diego. Uh, he's been actually with San Diego since 2013. Uh, started out as a volunteer unpaid assistant, which I'm assuming is what really, like, is what draws Eck to this guy. Uh, starting as a volunteer coach is a pretty rough thing to do. Uh, so he started out as a volunteer assistant in 2013. 2014, he became the running backs coach. Uh, he was running backs coach until 2018. He ended up coaching uh, Jonah Hodges, who ended up uh, being an All-American in, I think, 2016. Uh, became the special teams coordinator there in 2018. Well, did that for 2018 and 2019. Had two different guys, Michael Armstead and Tanner Kuljian. I don't remember how to pronounce his name. Uh, two different special teams, All-Americans, uh, under Sutton's time as the special teams coordinator. Then he became the offensive coordinator in 2020 and 2021. Um San Diego, for anybody that doesn't know a whole lot about their program, uh, before Coco ended their streak of nine-win seasons, they had six straight nine-win seasons, eight conference championships since Sutton's been there, gone to the FCS playoffs five times. They've won two playoff games. Uh, notably, they did lose to Cal Poly this year, so 
that's a huge blemish against uh, against Sutton to me. Um, it's pretty disappointing to lose to Coward Polly of all places. Um, obviously, I'm joking. Uh, Sutton played D3 football as well. So it, like really weird background for this guy, a lot different than most of the guys you think of playing at a, a higher end four-year school and jumping right into coaching. He played D3, volunteered as a coach before finally getting a paid spot. And then the biggest thing to point out, and this is probably why he's taking this weird, you're going from the offensive coordinator in a, in the Pioneer League to a recruiting coordinator at slash position coach here in the Big Sky. The Pioneer League does not have scholarships, and I think that's probably another thing that uh, obviously Eck talked about it when we spoke with him last week, but there are no scholarships for athletes in the Pioneer League. So being able to put together a, a team that is consistently good and consistently goes to the FCS playoffs and wins FCS playoff games without scholarships is huge to bring in for the new recording recruiting coordinator. So younger guy that has a bunch of coordinator experience, obviously he's just the, the tight ends coach slash the recruiting coordinator here, but uh, a lot of experience getting added to the, to this staff, Brian. Yeah. Relative to so younger guys we've talked about so far and, you know, what you brought up about about Tyler Sutton, you are you're right. Losing to Coward, Coward Polly is a big deal. But just in case listeners aren't aware of that joke and why that's actually a joke, is of course San Diego reputationally is the had become the pioneer conference team that would often make it to the playoffs and then lose to a big sky team in the first round because the playoffs are scheduled regionally and San Diego would only be scheduled to play West Coast teams. So he certainly has experience playing against big sky teams. Um, losing to Cal Poly is rough, but that's also just the barometer of, look, if your conference offers no scholarships, this is why that's a jump to go from offensive coordinator at a school like that to recruitment coordinator at Idaho. There's one other Midwest coach I want to bring up coach with Midwestish background. It's our, and this is a hybrid position that to me, I don't know if it's surprising or if it should be surprising, but just on paper, it feels that way. Uh, most coaches are either an offensive coach or a defensive coach. Like if you're director of football ops, you're just director of football ops. Tyler Yelk, who is coming to us from University of Temple, that's FBS Temple, is going to be our passing game coordinator and our safeties coach. Now, insert joke, if we end up having trouble uh, at all, as a pat defending the past, like we did with in the last handful of years, insert joke about experience coaching safeties because you have experience getting guys open, but we're not there yet. So we're going to hold that joke and hopefully never need to make it. Tyler Yelk was at Temple most recently from 2019 to 2021. He was safeties coach in 2020, uh, outside linebacker. He started as a defensive analyst in 2019, worked his way up to coaching outside linebackers in 2019 and safeties in 2020. Prior to that, he coached safeties at Northern Illinois. Prior to that, he was co-defensive coordinator and safeties coach at South Dakota University. He is the uh, another guy with connections to South Dakota University. We're going to spell that spell that out a little more. Uh, prior to to coaching at South Dakota, Yelk worked at Western Illinois, another Missouri Valley football conference school, from 2013-2015 as the defensive backs and special teams coordinator coach from in 2013-14, then co-defensive coordinator in 2015, and uh, started out his coaching career at Minnesota Duluth Division II, where he won a championship as a player in 2008, graduated in either 08 or 09, forgive me, I missed that one, and started his coaching career in 2010 uh, at Minnesota Duluth, where he won a championship as a coach as well, where he coached defensive backs and special teams coordinators. That's a that's a mouthful of stuff. That's another guy, Dallas, that Midwest background. So just different recruitment footprint than some of the other guys on the roster has that South Dakota background where actually him, both him and um, both Yelk and Rob Arich played under current uh, South Dakota head coach, Bob Nielsen, when they were at Minnesota Duluth and Yelk has of course experience coaching under uh, being a coach under Bob Nielsen. And I actually have a great transition for this one. You teed this one up perfectly. Uh, the next coach I want to talk about is our new offensive line coach, Joe Tripodi. For anybody watching, you're going to notice, oh, hey, look, that's the exact same website. He comes to us from Temple, just like uh, 
like Yelk, Coach Yelk did. Tripodi's actually coached with uh, Yelk for quite some time. They both have served on the Rod Carey staff that left NIU to go to Temple. Uh, Joe Tripodi is an interesting one because you hear the guy's the offensive line coach for an FBS school. Why, why is he taking the exact same job here? When you look at the statistics, maybe a lot of that Temple staff is going to get fired next year, if not all of them. So maybe that's why we're getting Yelk and Tripodi to come here, find a little bit more job stability. Uh, so Tripodi's been with Temple since two, uh, 2019. Again, he followed with Yelk and the rest of the staff that followed Rod Carey to Temple. Uh, you might see it on the the website here. The second paragraph points out Matt Hennessy and Tripodi turning Hennessy into a first-team All-American finalist for the Remington Trophy. Uh, Hennessy is currently the starter for the Atlanta Falcons. I know the Falcons are not phenomenal, but again, the guy coached an NFL starter. Uh, Temple, over the last couple of years, their, their sack numbers have been decent. Uh, they were top 40 in the FBS in 2019. Their offense was okay in 2019. And then in 2020 and 2021, 21, their sack allowed numbers have been decent, but their offense has been putrid. And so that's probably why Tripodi is looking for a little bit more job stability. For anybody that's concerned about that hearing like, oh, hey, he's been a coach at this place for three years and they're only getting worse. He coached at NIU for 10 years before that, from or for eight years before that, from 2010 to 2018. Started there as a graduate assistant, ended up becoming the O-line coach in 2013, became the running game coordinator in 2016, and was the run game coordinator slash O-line coach from 2016 until he went on to Temple with the rest of the staff. Um, interestingly, he actually, I mentioned Kenny Galladay earlier. He actually had some overlap with Galladay because Galladay transferred to NIU once he left North Dakota. So a little bit of weird, like he's he didn't coach him, obviously, but left Schleisner to go be with Tripodi, and now they're both in the same Idaho staff. Kind of cool. Um, he also coached Max Sharping. Uh, Sharp, Mar boy, Max Sharping. I can't get the word out. Uh, Max Sharping's a starting tackle for the Texans. So again, another starter that he in the NFL that has been taught football by Joe Tripodi, which is always a good thing. Not a whole lot of FCS coaches can say they've coached NFL talent, let alone multiple guys that have have succeeded in the NFL. Uh, statistically, NIU's teams in, from 2016 to 2018 had some of the best sack against numbers. Uh, in 2016, actually the second fewest sacks allowed across the entire FBS. Uh, they averaged 240 rushing yards a game in 2016. Uh, absolute bullies for a while there. Uh, obviously, things haven't quite worked out as at Temple, and that's probably why he's coming to Idaho. Uh, he's another guy from the Midwest. He started at, uh, as a guard for Northwestern from 2005 and 2006. Um, again, a guy that is a little bit older this time. He's not like the a lot of these coaches we've talked about that are kind of younger guys. I mean, he's been he's been a coach for a long time. He played college football damn near 20 years ago. So uh, a guy with a bunch of experience coaching the offensive line. And again, he sent two guys to the NFL. So you can't really complain about that. Uh, not a whole lot of FCS schools are going to be able to, to bring on a guy like this. So pretty exciting hire to me. The Midwest connection with a lot of these guys, I think, is, is a pretty good compliment to, to some of the other guys we have on staff. Um, I want to save – I kind of want to save a, a certain someone with the connection to our hated rival for last or almost last Dallas because we do have – Let's go with the news that broke just before the, the show started. Um, Matt Linehan is coming back to Moscow. Matt Linehan is reported at this point to be the wide receivers coach for Jason Eck. Now he's going to have the easiest resume to talk about because he is, he's definitely the least experienced coach on, on the roster and that his background is as a graduate assistant first at San Diego state. And this season graduate assistant at university of Missouri. That's, you know, power five sec university of Missouri listeners are going to be more familiar with Matt Linehan from his time as a starting quarterback at University of Idaho from 2013, 26 to, sorry, no, not, not 2013, 2016. Got to cut you off here as well, Brian. You did not point out that he was the backup quarterback for the Salt Lake Stallions of the Alliance of American Football. I think that's where most people are going to know him from. That is where most people are going to know him for is for the Alliance of American Football League. Uh, but yeah, Matt, Matt Linehan was starting quarterback from 2014, 2017, including, uh, the best season Idaho's had since 2009 when in 2016, he was of course a starter for the 
Idaho team that went nine and four overall, including a humanitarian bowl. Not not humanitarian. My bad. Idaho famous potato bowl win in 2016 over Colorado State. There's not much to talk about in terms of his coaching connection. Obviously, his dad is Scott Linehan, um, but uh, he's he's really the the most recent player who's made the jump back and had an official position where he's not, you know, he's not like a graduate assistant. How do you feel about, about the young guy, uh, coach Linehan joining coach Matt Linehan joining the staff Dallas? As long as he doesn't coach anything like his father, I'm okay with it. Uh, honestly, as long as his career is a 180 degree turn from what his father's coaching career was great. Um, I respect what Scott Linehan did for the Vandals, but again, he absolutely ruined the St. Louis Rams uh, and then quite notoriously was replaced by Kellen Moore as the offensive coordinator of the Dallas Cowboys. And as much as it pains me to say it, they absolutely made the correct decision there. So as long as Matt is a better coach than Scott, I'm I'm for it. Uh, getting a young guy that's the most maybe most successful player from the Petrino era, um, you know, you can make the argument it would be nice to have a completely clean break between eras here, but again, Linehan is probably the most known and most successful guy from the Petrino era. Uh, not a bad guy to have on the staff. Yeah, not not a bad guy to have on the staff. I'm with you on like the idea of a clean break would be nice, but I'm going to tell you a lot of listeners, a lot of fans are going to be excited about Matt Linehan joining the staff because look, he had the final two seasons he was here. There were our last last two FBS seasons. They were like he was certainly quarterback of a of a good team. Now, of course, coaching is different, and this will be really him getting his feet wet. But I I have no reservation saying I don't think the success of this team is going to hinge strictly on Matt Linehan. So this might be like a, a nice nice landing point. The guy that I want to transition to that I'm really that I'm really excited about that has a really really odd background to me is is Thomas Ford who he has a different footprint for recruitment. He, he is not a Midwest guy. Thomas Ford, whose brother Tracy Ford uh, was mentioned by name uh, by Jason Eck in X opening press conference. He is coming to us from most recently. He was a quality control analyst for the offense at university of Washington. But this guy has to me a pretty dang interesting uh, resume in terms of places he's been to. You know, he played, played football, ran track at Linfield, uh, which is a division three school in Oregon, won a national championship. He was a running back at Linfield in 2004. They won championship played some played in the national indoor football league for a while for the tri city fever. And now this is where his coaching coaching career to me gets interesting. And side note, we should have started early in their careers instead of working backward, but hey, next episode um, he gets his coaching feet wet in 2009 uh, and through 2012 as a special teams coordinator and recruiting coordinator at Division II Southeastern Oklahoma State. Now, again, I, we, we've brought this up multiple times. Lots of coordinating experience in, on this staff, not even at coordinating positions. From there, he becomes the defensive coordinator at University of Puget Sound. That's Division III school from 2012-2013. 2014 takes a U-turn of sorts, is the head coach at Stadium High School in Tacoma, Washington, a uh, school that was not known for football success. Had He took over in 2014. School hadn't made the playoffs since 93, and the year before Ford took over, they were 0-10. Within three seasons, uh, Tacoma, the Stadium High School in Tacoma was making the playoffs. They made it his final two seasons, where he then jumps. This is the really weird position. Head coach at hated rival of University of Idaho, Simon Frazier, which is Division II Great, Great Northern Athletic Conference. Record there is not great, but I don't think anyone in the world could have a good record at Simon Frazier. The thing I'm taking away from that, and of course, I already went over his most recent position after Simon Frazier. He is head coach at Simon Frazier in 2018-2019. Thomas Ford is going to be our special teams coordinator and our running backs coach. And he has a ton of varied experience where his focus is special teams and offense. But not only does he have special teams background, he was a defense coordinator as well and a head coach. I think that's pretty pretty interesting resume in addition uh, to the connection, the recruitment connection he's going to have to Washington and specifically Western Washington. Idaho's already been pretty successful at getting some central and Eastern Washington guys, which 
those are some of our big contributors, i.e. Zach Borish, Tri-Cities, Kamaikin High School. That, was, that, that guy's a big get for us. That's a name we've talked about. Thomas Ford might help us access the other side of the Cascades, in addition to coaching experience anyway, that I think is worth getting excited about. And that's the thing. Uh, so we obviously, you mentioned Tracy Ford. Uh, Tracy is the CEO of Ford Sports Performance, which is a a pretty big deal over in Bellevue. Uh, worked They've worked with a bunch of athletes. Uh, I think there's a picture of Bobby Wagner on their website. If you go to, I think it's like fordsports.com or something. It's something along that, those lines. If you Google Ford Sports Performance, it's pretty easy to find. Uh, so like you said, uh, really interesting to get a guy that maybe he doesn't have a direct tie here, but has family ties here, knows the area really well. Huge deal when we're talking about recruiting and I don't want to compare the staff to the the previous staff, but I think the one thing we all agreed on was the previous staff did a really good job at bringing recruits in. It's nice to see that at least for on paper, there's a bunch of talented recruiters and a bunch of guys with great connections out here. So that leads us to our final coach. We have not talked about. Um, and for anybody that's reading on the screen, it is not pronounced lose. I Definitely made that mistake the first 13 times I read it. It's David Say, not Lose. So we can't pin anything on him when things are going poorly. It's Say, not Lose. Anyways, David Lose. God damn it, Dallas. David Say, sorry, uh, was uh, is coming to us as our new defensive line coach. Uh, again, this one hasn't been officially announced by the university. Uh, most of these have, but Tripodi hasn't, uh, Lose hasn't, Yelk hasn't, Linehan obviously hasn't because that, that literally Brian found out about, about that as we were going live. That's why we were a little late today. Uh, so Lose, and of course you guys are now making fun of me, uh, Lose, I'm going to try to make sure I don't mess that up again. Uh, Lose. We should spend more time talking about his pronunciation. We, we probably should. I just can't get it right is the problem because I know in five seconds I'm going to say lose and then you guys are going to just rip on me and it's going to become the next meme. It's like pristine bitches and lose. Those are going to be the two things we're known for around here. Anyways, David Lose, uh, coming to us from Oregon State. Uh, he's been a quality control analyst there since 2018. Uh, he has had a very interesting career, I think. Uh, he's an, a former offensive lineman, uh, and we're going to get to that in just a second. Uh, once he ended up uh, ended up coaching at St. Paul's College in Virginia, uh, coached at a high school in Sacramento I'd never heard of, then ended up at Wazoo under Mike Leach. Uh, excuse me, uh, un- ended up there I believe on the uh, the Wolf staff, and then stuck around for the Leach staff. Was a defensive assistant there, did uh, a bunch of different jobs, essentially just the grunt work. Uh, did a lot of film and scouting reports and things like that. Uh, was involved in quite a few bowl teams with the with Wazoo. Then he went to Portland State and was the defensive line coach there in 2017. It's his only uh, position coach experience at the college level, uh, or at least at the NCAA level. Uh, Portland State in 2017, do not look up their stats. Uh, That was a historically bad defense, ranked in the 120s in scoring defense, sacks, and total defense. There were 123 teams that year, so you bottom five would be saying too high of things about that defense. Uh, And then after that, he moved over to Oregon state. That's his alma mater. Uh, Their defense was awful in the first year of Jonathan Smith and then has gotten slowly better as time has gone on. Again, as a quality control analyst, you can't say a whole lot about what he's doing and what his contributions are because he's a quality control analyst. He's not even a position coach, but he's getting a chance to be a position coach again here at, at, at Idaho. Um, I could go on this giant rambling long rant. Uh, low say started 18 games uh, for the Beavers back in the late nineties, early two thousands. Uh, this is about to get profane. So if anybody is a, uh, not a fan of the word MF, uh, hit skip forward 15 seconds. This guy blocked for Steven motherfucking Jackson. So I am on top of the world right now. Uh, I could go on for 30 minutes here about how Steven Jackson is the most underrated player in the history of the NFL. He's going to be one of the two best running backs to not make the Hall of Fame. Maybe he'll make it when he's like 65, but uh, there are two guys, or excuse me, three guys that are above Steven Jackson in the NFL all-time leading rushers category that haven't made the Hall of Fame. Frank Gore and Adrian Peterson, who 
are either active or not eligible. And then Fred Taylor. So if you get, and I know we, we have a bunch of Seahawks fans. You guys love Marshawn Lynch. Imagine Marshawn Lynch running on the worst teams known to man. That was Steven Jackson. Look up his highlights. He was incredible. So I'm all in on Lose. Um, his resume isn't phenomenal, but he blocked for my childhood hero. So I'm all, I'm all set. And thank you. Uh, grow up, uh, grow up guys. Uh, rack of tits 69. You are absolutely correct. I will be much more professional from here on out. If you're a listener, that is one of the, uh, live, live viewers commenting on us, uh, with the handle rack of tits 69, our favorite handle at this point. So that's the list of coaches that we can go through. Um, I'm going to try to take the, you know, thousand, thousand mile view which is uh, we've got a lot of guys early on in their careers, uh, earlier, not all, um, but, you know, it seems like there's a bit that that's something Eckett indirectly brought up when he talked to us about he wants people who are smart. He wants people who are hungry. I think most, uh, a lot of the guys on this roster, you could say that they're, um, they're taking this position because it looks like it, it'll be a step up or it will be a launching, launching position for them into, into the future, which I think is, Look, that's what FCS coaching staffs very often are. There's kind of a mix of two options. You can do what Idaho has previously done and what Montana is doing right now, where a good amount of your coaches are veteran guys who they may have coached elsewhere. They may have had more higher profile jobs, but this is uh, your, you would ideally get stability out of the veteran staff, which Montana gets. We absolutely did not get that in our time with Petrino. Um, or you take the other option, which is a little more closer to what Eastern Washington does, uh, Montana state has done this as well. And now, Hey, you can say Idaho where a lot of our, a lot of our assistant coaches are guys who are, if things go well, you should expect next year, we're going to hear that there's a few of them who leave, uh, particularly with, you know, example we talked about, yeah, we are a little more wishy-washy on Matt Linehan, which I don't want to be unfair. It's just, he doesn't have a resume. The other guys have to go over Matt Linehan might have a great, might reputationally be great when he's in Idaho and then he's gone next year, which is great. If our position coaches are rolling in and out, if they're turning over because things are going well, then, Hey, that, that's great news. I think that's the kind of staff X trying to set up at university of Idaho. And I can tell you based off our previous experience with Petrino staff, I'm all for whatever control alt delete looks like. Um, Eck and his staff have been much different about engaging with the media and engaging with the fan base. And it looks like a decent amount of their hires have a chance to fit that profile as well. So at this point, you know, no one's ever going to be higher Dallas on a coaching staff than fans when guys are first hired and they haven't played. But I want to say from this far out, when we haven't seen the team playing, we don't have stuff to judge. I'm pretty happy about the direction X taking the staff so far. Same here. Uh, and that's something I, I think I was pretty notoriously upset when I, when we heard that Brent peace was a, a candidate. Um, I did not like the idea of Idaho going back to the well of an older guy who's had a bunch of stops in a bunch of places and his career is kind of slipping downward. Um, and that's a, a lot of the, the Petrino staff was like old football lifers. Uh, a lot of the achy staff was that way. I know people remember, uh, Jason uh, Jason Gesser being the offensive coordinator, and obviously he hadn't didn't have a whole lot of experience at that very end. But he had Steve Axman, who I think was like in his seventies when he was the offensive coordinator here. There are you know a bunch of like older guys that were kind of on the the back nine of the career. That is not the case with this staff. Most of these guys, it seems like, are are young, hungry, up up and comers. And he spoke about that to us. He likes guys that are smarter than him. He likes guys that are hungry. He likes guys that are driven. And if if this turns into a a factory of guys getting promotions elsewhere. You can't say more about the state of the program. Um, you know, again, not to keep talking about old staffs, but how many position coaches from the Aki and Petrino eras were getting hired and promoted elsewhere? It just wasn't happening. If that's what the goal is here is hire a bunch of young guys and they, they turn themselves into stuff and move on. That means that we've got this program running in a, in a good direction. So that's, uh, I, I couldn't be happier at this point, but I also don't know what I what a coaching staff could do to make me really upset about it. Mark, Martin, yeah, damn it. Yeah, exactly. The <sighs> listeners will just miss that Mart, Martin loves to haunt Dallas with uh, Bresky references, um, Bresky joining Petrino staff from Washington State. Um, you know, I know we, we said that Matt Linehan, in terms of um, Petrino era, is not completely a control alt delete. I want to put an asterisk there. 
as far as a coach, he is control alt delete as in Linehan's coaching background has nothing to do with Petrino. So at this point, I like that we're at complete factory reset. Uh, Luther Ellis is kind of the one name that a lot of vandals had said, Hey, if there's only one coach from the Petrino staff who stays on, we hope it's Luther. Um, and you know, I probably feel that way too, but uh, Luther is, is not going to be joining the staff. I don't know what his next step is. We of course wish Luther Ellis the best of luck uh, with whatever his next step is. And uh, we do pre, you know, the Idaho's D line was good while he coached. And also we had some of his, a couple of his kids play on the team too. So we're, we're happy for the time we had with him, but um, I'm also, I, I really think overall the, the factory resets the right thing to do here. Um, I know Eck on our show talked about how when he, you know, when he coached Idaho, he was part of a couple different coaching staffs. And then when Rob Akey took over, Rob Akey gave a clean, gave, decided to have a clean staff. X doing essentially clean staff. And it's a lot of guys with FCS background. It's a lot of guys with coordinator background, even if even guys who are not being hired as coordinators. At this point, I don't really know what else the staff can do to get people excited because they're doing everything right. They're getting, they're getting names out there. Uh, they're getting people who are, they're engaging with the fan base to the extent they can. Uh, social media stuff is cleaner, a lot more aggressive. We're starting to see some recruits roll in, uh, as in we've had had a couple couple guys transfer in from New Mexico over just the uh, just the last day or so. We've got more recruits. Martin's going to spend more time talking about recruits or helping us talk about recruits in future episodes. But we're starting to see names join the Idaho program, which that leads me because we just talked about transfers. We have a special edition of the transfer portal, Dallas. Would you like the uh, Dallas viewer listeners miss this? Dallas just uh, did, did some little, little extra producer magic to get it on. Paul Petrino has officially joined the staff of South Alabama. That's a Sunbelt conference school. He is going to be an offensive analyst. Why do I bring that up guys? Cause this is great news. I mean, ne- never mind that, you know, I mean, Paul did coach in Idaho. He was not close to good while at Idaho, but, uh, you know, he, he has background at Idaho, so it's not awful for to find out he, you know, he got a, a good a good job elsewhere. It's a pretty big deal for Idaho because every single penny that South Alabama pays Paul, Idaho doesn't have to pay that. So we don't have any announcement on the salary figures, but Idaho just shaved a little bit more money off the, uh, liabilities they had for firing and not retaining a head coach Paul Petrino and his staff. So that is only good news for Idaho. Dammer. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, good for him. Uh, I know a lot of people weren't thrilled with Paul Petrino. I will be the first person to admit um, I never liked him. Uh, I was in the media at the time of his hire. I thought he was honestly a pompous dick bag um i just he just he wasn't particularly kind and it was it was just such a tough thing going for rob Akey, who took the time to learn my name and like be cordial with me and and paul had just no time for the media no time for the public which again that's his prerogative like i i didn't know the guy personally i had a just a handful of interactions with him and i wasn't a big fan of the hire wasn't a big fan of him he just rubbed me the wrong way uh he's still a human being. Uh, I, I know that there are plenty of parents and players that have some real problems with him. Um, but he, he's never been Bobby, uh, at least to our knowledge, he never had the, the personality problems and the mistress problems and all these awful things with that, that Bobby did. Paul never had any of those. So it's, it's, it's cool for him that he got a job. He's, he landed on his feet. He's going to be fine. Like it sucks that people get fired. It sucks that, that those kind of things happen, but, he's out of our hair. We never have to think about him again. Uh, once his buyout's done, then good riddance. I never want to think about anything other than the 2016 bowl team ever again. The rest of those eight years can just bury in the sand and we're, we're, we're past it. It's behind us. Yeah. Listeners might be surprised that I jumped over this. Uh, it's that I am of the attitude that look, I, if you want to listen to how I felt about Paul's teams, listen to our old, old episodes. He's old news. X the guy. We've got exciting new coaching staff that I care about, but it does matter that Idaho just saved some money with Paul getting hired in South Alabama. So 
we still don't have news on Chuck Staben transfer portal. I think that transfer portal may, it may just be done, but if we have, if we have need to bring it up, we're going to Dallas before we transition because we do have a quick basketball update. And guys, that's the football update we have so far. So if you're a listener for football, uh, this would be the time to, I don't know, stop. If you're if you're along for the ride for basketball, stay on. Hey, we haven't gotten to the ad read yet. Don't kick our kids out before, or well, I say kids. Most of you are probably older than I am. Um, don't kick our listeners out before we get Colin's ad read out there. Well, you're right. Now, we're still in Around the Bar, which is brought to us by Colin River, Hughes River Expedition, obviously our favorite river expedition company. If you're looking for a great all-inclusive week-long vacation, don't look past your backyard. Venture into the largest protected wilderness in the continental United States located right here in the great state of Idaho. Enjoy a multi-day trip down the Middle Fork of the Salmon, the main Salmon River No Return, Salmon River Canyons, and Selway. And you can even check out special trips like the one to see the Perced Meteor Shower. Camp on pristine beaches, run amazing whitewater, hike scenic trails, spot wildlife, soak in beautiful natural hot springs, take in the history along the river, and fish some of the most remote stretches of river in the country. You just bring your, your clothes, let HRE handle the rest. Hughes River Expeditions has been Vandal-owned and operated since 1976 and ready to take you on a vacation of a lifetime. What are you waiting for? Find, find out what it's like to grab a paddle, catch dinner, and ride the bull all throughout the gem state. Call them now at 800-262-1882 or check them out at HughesRiver.com. And now it's basketball time, Dallas. Uh, hashtag HRE Little Brownstein. Uh, we are starting the movement to get Hughes River Expeditions to pay for the advertising of the Little Brownstein. Yeah, which is, of course, a joke. We just want them paid for Tubbs advertising. We love you, Colin, uh, but want, we love your footprint wherever you want. So basketball time now. Idaho played two games this last week, uh, Thursday and Saturday. For On Thursday, hosted Montana State in Moscow. Idaho goes down 92-72. to 72. We We're paced by Mikey Dixon, 24 points on 5 of 9 shooting. So, yeah, Mikey Dixon, 24 points on 9 Total field goal attempts. Uh, downside is Montana State shot just under 50% from three, shot 55, 56% from the field. Really hard to win games that way. Then in Cheney, Idaho plays a competitive game, real high scoring game. game. Idaho goes down 96 to 93. Once again, Mikey Dixon paces Idaho. 25 points on six of 11 shooting. So again, huge uh, in terms of efficiency numbers. Uh, Rashad Smith also added 17, Tanner Christensen 14, but again, uh, Eastern shoots 55% from the field, 52% from three, just hard to win those games. Dallas, what's the story from those two basketball games? Um, well, the story to me is this team is bad, but at least they're not historically bad. Like last year, they're almost fun, bad, like not really because, uh, as Tom uh, excuse me, Tom Kendall for the, the folks that aren't watching. Uh, Tom Kendall threw into our comments, can we get a D coordinator for Claus's basketball team? That would actually help. Defensively, this team is an absolute nightmare. They can score, and Mikey Dixon is a ton of fun. Um, I think there's a little bit more uh, help he could probably use on the offensive end. Uh, it's tough when Trevante went three for 14 in 26 minutes. Like the, Off nights from guys they just can't recover from at this point. Uh, just not enough, not enough there, but... Uh, Mikey's great. Uh, as Tom said, there were there was Tubbs royalty against Eastern. Um, watching Eastern, it, it, I think the the most frustrating thing is watching the team and realizing this team is a couple pieces away from being decent. Uh, they're just defensively, it's just not there. Um, unfortunately, they're just very shallow in the posts. Uh, it, it it's close. It's it's improvement from last year. Is it enough improvement to keep Kloss around? Uh, we can discuss that. There's multiple options on the table for that. But but my my big takeaway from these games is Idaho's going to struggle against big teams. They're going to struggle against teams that can shoot. They're just going to struggle on the defensive end. And against really bad teams in the big sky, they might pick off a couple wins. Uh, you know, Idaho State's not very good. Uh, there's, a, there's a couple winnable games out there. But at the end of the day, this is the ceiling of this team when everything's going well is mediocre. Uh, just to throw it in there uh racket hit 69 saying i'll be right back round of basketball need the bottle of whiskey yeah it's it's another one of those years it's gonna be rough uh if if you score 93 you should win it's exactly right tom kendall that's 
they scored 93 points and they lost. When was the last time we could say that about Idaho basketball? Yeah, I want to talk about Mikey Dixon for a couple of seconds before shifting to the, to the games. In three conference games, Mikey Dixon is leading the Big Sky Conference and scoring at 25.3 points per game. If for no reason, people should give Idaho a chance to watch just because Mikey Dixon is the best scoring guard I've ever seen at Idaho. I'm counting Trayvon Allen. I'm counting Vic Sanders. Now, those guys play different systems, but the efficiency numbers that get that Mikey Dixon has are just incredible because of how damn good he is at drawing fouls against Montana State. He goes 13 to 13 from the foul line against Eastern. Mikey Dixon also goes 12 to 13 from the foul line. So in two games, he shoots 25 free throws, 26 free throws, makes 25 of them. He Dixon's the highlight of this team. Now, the what I want to pivot to here is I'm I'm done talking about last year's team because last year's team, again, listen to the episodes, it was historically bad. If that is your comparison for this team, it's because your standards for Idaho basketball are fiber optic subterranean cable. This team should this team definitely should have beaten Eastern Washington with how we played. And we did. That was to me the most frustrating thing was offensively. We could do quite a bit. I mean, you referenced Trevante's shooting, shooting numbers and yeah, that did hurt, but look, Rashad Smith scored 17 points on 10 shots. Pretty dang good. We -hmm. also had Tanner Christensen, 14 points on 11 shots plus eight rebounds and Yusuf Saleh freshman, he took 12 shots to get there, but he contributes 11. Jamil King has what I think is his Vandal high, or at least his D1 high of 11 points. That's a lot of guys contributing on the offensive end, which you would not be shocked about when you see we have 93 points. The issue this team has is that, look, our rebounding numbers are getting better, but defensively, my God. I mean, Idaho in conference is giving up 89.7 points per game, which is 10 10, almost 11 points per game worse than the second worst scoring defense in Northern Colorado. Our scoring margin overall is negative 9.7, so not the worst in conference, but it's clumped there right with Northern Arizona and Idaho State, where NAU's at negative 11, Idaho State's at negative 13.8. After that, Portland State's the next closest team to Idaho, and they're at negative 2.7. So there's a cliff uh, that falls off after number eight in conference between 9, 10, and 11 with Idaho scoring margin-wise at number nine. And then field goal percentage defense. Idaho's giving up, letting teams shoot 50.5% overall from the field when they play us. And three-point field goal percentage defense, we're giving up, teams shoot 46% from three against us in conference. That is a level of bad that I is almost unrecoverable from, even with how we're scoring well and our rebounding numbers are much better than they were earlier in the season if that's the kind of defensive effort we have, we're just not going to win games. And to me, Zach Kloss now, look, he's coaching for his life. Like Paul Petrino just got fired with a much more impressive resume of mm-hmm. turning teams around, you know, than Zach Kloss has. Zach Kloss is beyond moral victories. And we saw this last year. We saw this in his first season, some early some close early games, if they don't turn into wins, that really does matter for teams. And Idaho now is at the point in D1 games, we are one and 10. We're three and 10 overall, but two of those are sub D1 wins. So again, in games that matter, we're one and 10. That's, I know that if we referenced last year, it feels like a turnaround. No reasonable fan's going to call us a turnaround. It's a more palatable version. But at this point, we these close games just have to turn into wins. And the only way they're going to do that is we have to have a not catastrophically bad defense. And I don't know if we can do that. And that's the thing. I, I don't think we can. As as the, the guys in the comments are, are jumping in, the the X's and O's are not great. Um, it It's pretty easy to pin it on coaching because uh, there is definitely more talent on this team than we've seen in, in previous years. Sometimes it does uh, – it doesn't look like they know what they're doing. Shouting shout out to Tom Kendall and, and Captain 58. Just for, pause. You mean defensively because offensively, this yes. is a good team. Yes. Offensively, I mean, again, they put up 93 points. I know Eastern's having a down year. Uh, they're not the Eastern from last year, but defensively, things look rough. And that's what I didn't mean uh, earlier when I, I, I called out Trevante and I didn't mean it to come across like that. 
Gervonta going three for 14 is obviously not great, but that's where we're at with this program is if one guy has an off night, they probably can't score enough to recover from the fact that they are so bad defensively. And, and so that's the, that's kind of the issue of where we're at. You need, you need seven guys to have very good nights to be able to compete night in and night out because the defense is just so atrociously bad. Um, yeah, it, yeah, scoring numbers, sorry to cut in there, just to give people a reference point, then throw it right back to you, Dallas. Idaho leads the big sky in conference and scoring. We're scoring 80 points a game. We're the number five field goal percentage team at 45%. We are the best three-point shooting team at 40%. And we're 0-3 in conference. I mean, and that's that I I have nothing further to elaborate on there. That's that's the whole point of what I mean is this team's more fun. It's a, it's a, like you said, a more palatable version of being bad, but that's pretty, pretty damn bad. Uh, if you score 93 points and you lose, uh, and it, it was in regulation, it wasn't like a seven overtime game. That's a problem. And it, it's just it, it, everything we hear about Zach Kloss is that he's a great guy. Uh, he turned around some of the the pro the program's problems behind the scenes and the academic stuff and all of the like the the coaching young boys to men is the best way I can say it. Everything we've heard is that he's he's done a great job with that, but the results on the on the court are just not there. And while this team is better than last year, and again I don't want to keep bringing up last year's team, it's better as you know it's more watchable. At the end of the day, they're getting their butts kicked night in and night out night out. And I just don't know. I just don't know what, what can change about that. The the big thing that hurt us in terms of scoring margin was Montana state where Montana state early looked like they were going to win by a hundred. They ended up winning by 20 Idaho kind of rectified that. Uh, we, we were killed on the boards early. We only were out rebounded by three against Montana state. Otherwise, our big sky conference games, it's the scoring margins a little misleading. We lost, at home to Southern Utah, 81-75. Then we also lost, like you said, Eastern, 96-93. That's two close games. Now, the Eastern game, we also had a three at the buzzer, so it's actually closer to a six-point game. But still, those are two winnable games that Idaho did not look bad offensively. Our offensive numbers, look, the jury here would be Zach Kloss took Idaho's offense from one of the worst to first in conference. That's a pretty big turnaround, and there's some strategic stuff we've talked about that he's doing mainly we're getting a lot of our post our posts are more out of the key right now they're being used more as screeners and to facilitate the offense when tanner christensen was scoring it's because he was getting real deep position like foot inside the restricted area and at that point that's a great possession for him but if we can't become flirting with okay defensively that just doesn't it doesn't matter we're still not going to come away with wins even when we have seen growth offensively strategically from Zach Kloss and with the recruits he's brought in. But I want to take your temperature because we're going to, this is just going to be a theme we talk about. If the season ended today, is Zach Kloss the head coach for the 2022-23 season? If it ended today, no. Uh, I do not believe, especially off of the strength. uh, And I think a a lot of this is coming down to just public perception. Uh, You have what I would say is an not an all-time high in interest in, in Vandal football, but obviously our viewership and Patreon numbers have exploded. And thank you to every single one of you who who listens to us uh, and the dumb things we say and pays to be part of the our private Discord. Thank you all. Uh, but even on social media, it seems like Idaho's footprint is growing, and it's all because they moved on from Petrino and, and brought in Eck, who's this loud, gregarious guy that people love. Uh, not saying that that's what they need to do with Idaho basketball, but keeping this commitment to something that is obviously not working, I think puts that whole, all the goodwill you're buying with football right now, I think it puts all of that in jeopardy. And if if the season ended today, I don't see how you can bring Zach Claus back. Season ended today, I'm with you. There's no way he's coming back, but... Um, he does. We do have some scheduling stuff that could help the basketball team as far as a potential turnaround. This Thursday, we're at Weber State. Penciled that in as a loss. Weber State's one of the top teams in conference. But after that, Idaho got hurt, I think, by a couple of our easier games getting canceled because of coronavirus. 
and we have those games rescheduled. So after Weber State on January 13th, that's Thursday, we're at Idaho State on Saturday. That's a winnable game in Pocatello. Then Monday the 17th, a rescheduled game at Northern Arizona. That's Yeah, we have to travel, but that's winnable too. We then have Northern Colorado that week, but then after Northern Colorado, we have Sac State and Portland State, Portland State at home. So we're going to have to pick up some road wins, but in the same way that we're right now frustrated about the results, those are some winnable games. Now, Idaho needs to get to a point where we're not just looking at the lower teams in conference to talk about getting wins wins against. But if Zach Kloss, we were told Zach Kloss needs to get around 12-ish wins. So let's just say the number is 12. He has three. Only one should count, but that's not what we were told. If he can pick off a few of those wins, then maybe the narrative and the energy around the team changes. He's got a chance. He has a chance at that with the next games coming up. Exactly. I'm not saying this is going to happen. Um, I, I've been messaging with Tom in our comments. I don't think there's a great chance that they beat Idaho State. I mean, Idaho State is bad, but it just that doesn't feel great to me right now. But I'm also I'm always negative. I'll I'll own that. Uh, if they rattled off, uh, you know, pick off a win with uh, Idaho State, NAU, and say split it between Sac State and Portland State, if they go three and three in the next six games, we might be having a different conversation here. We might be having the conversation of, hey, they're okay. They're winning against the the bottom of the conference. Is their momentum growing here? So this could be a completely different conversation in two weeks. But as it stands right now. I have little to no hope. Uh, Captain 58 calling it now. They will win in pokey. Uh, I hope you are so correct there, Dan, but I, I, I've I, been a Vandal fan my entire life. I just expect pain all the time. Yeah, poke, Idaho State's terrible this year. They're averaging 55 points a game. Uh, their scoring margin is negative 13.8. That's, at the, that's around what we were last year. So that if Klaus has a prayer of coming back, that better be a winnable game. We better come away with that win. I'm fine calling this good for now on Basketball Dallas. Listeners, we're going to go back to instant reaction for basketball as quickly as we can. Just didn't work this last week. Then we had coaching news, so might as well run the football thing. Before we head out, a little bit of housekeeping we that we need to announce, uh, and we will be getting in contact with individual people. Uh, final thing we have left, Tubbs the Club, in terms of um, structure with the turnover and ownership. Um, as in Mar- me, Martin, and Dallas are running the show here at Tubbs, is um, there's some things with Patreon that we could not rectify. Uh, no one's going to be charged anything, but we're going to be setting up a separate Patreon account and working with people individually to move over from the current Patreon to the new Patreon prior to February 1st. Now, if you signed up before January 1st, I mean, hey, you've already been contacted. You've already, Patreon's already billed you for the month of January. Not a big deal. If you signed up after January 1st, you have have not yet been billed a penny. We want to make sure that we get everyone moved over to the new, to the separate account. Nothing that you're experiencing right now is going to change, except it might run a little more smoothly. But that is a housekeeping thing we have to get in contact with individuals about. We're going to personally, we're just bringing it up because we have, We've had a surge in patrons to the only tubs at, to, at patreon.com backslash tubs at the club. That's still going to be the URL you will sign up to in the future, but we have some background work on our end. And then Martin Dallas and I are going to individually get in contact with current patrons of which we have 27. We've seen a surge. Wanna, we're really excited about that. Really excited about all the patrons we have. So we need, we're going to get the new Patreon running so we can get current guys moved over and new guys signed up. And those of you that are at the club card uh, or any other level where you're supposed to be getting stuff from us and extra benefits, those are going to be coming. Now that uh, Brian, uh, Martin, and I are going to be in charge of this thing, uh, we're hoping to to kind of rectify that. I, I I don't believe a lot of you have gotten some of the things you I think that the club card I think you're supposed to get a shirt every six months is what it was set up for, and I don't believe that's been happening. We will be sorting out all of that as soon as we move off of the old account we can no longer use to the new account managed by Brian Martin and myself. So uh, thank you guys for your patience with a lot of this stuff. Uh, we're going to get going to get working on it, going to get it all sorted out uh, very soon. We'll all be on the new only tubs, uh, only tubs 2.0 uh, with maybe more explicit content. We're still trying to talk hot take Eamster into more into, into doing some more with it, but uh, 
we'll see. Oh, see, look, he's even here. He's here in the comments with the, the winky kissy face. Who knows what we're going to see? Hot take. All right, that's all That's all we have. That's the final housekeeping, housekeeping matter. Uh, we'll be back. At this point, Dallas would be expecting the record Saturday and not Tuesday. Depends if we have football news. So if we have football news, we'll record Tuesday. But I, I think it's time to call it a night. Thanks for everyone for joining. 21 live streams right now still. So uh, pretty pretty great participation, guys. Thanks for helping the show grow. Thanks for contributing, whether it's a viewer or a patron or both. It's now time for Kobe Cuff to play us out. Go Vandals. Go Vandals. So raise your glass and have a drink with me. Here's to the Vandals and the crowd. I'll just out there living the dream. Part of one and only Moscow dream.